Dr. King, how do you respond to Senator Thurman threatening to filibuster the Civil Rights Bill? Well, I'm here today during this critical debate to convince his fellow senators to do otherwise. But I assure you, we will not be content even after this bill is passed. The failure to pass the bill would uh, thrust our nation into a dim horizon of social turmoil. Are you suggesting there might be violence if the bill is defeated? Realism impels me to admit that if the bill is not passed, it will be harder to keep the struggle disciplined. Reverend, Minister, I've been hoping for this day for a long time. We meet at last. It seems like we've attracted quite a bit of attention. What makes me think you may have invited them? Oh, I'm sure they must be here for you, Doctor. One thing's for certain, you're now going to be investigated. Well, I have it on good authority. My file is already much larger than yours. Who do you think this is going to hurt more, you or me? I imagine it's unlikely to hate either one of us. Well, then let's keep them guessing. Amen to that. All praise to Allah. <laughs> We should do this again sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> A new series dropped last week on Nat Geo. It's called Genius MLKX. It is inspired by the 1987 play The Meeting, written by Jeff Stetson. It's about a fictional encounter. Uh, a fictional encounter, that is, between uh, Martin and Malcolm in 1965. It won a stack of accolades um, when it was uh, first uh, brought to the stage, and Jeff Stetson uh, wrote the pilot for Genius MLKX and is one of the executive producers of this new series on Nat Geo. I am pleased to welcome Jeff Stetson to this program. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Tavis. Good to talk to you. It's good to hear your voice, man. It's been a while, and I'm delighted to uh, to, to engage uh, you in this conversation. Let me just uh, share again some breaking news for those who have not heard uh, uh, the... Uh, the mother in Michigan, uh, Jennifer Crumbly, the mother of Ethan Crumbly, uh, has been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter in her son's school shooting. You all have been hearing about this case, uh, and what was at issue here was whether the parent of a child, whether the parent uh, of a child who commits a mass shooting can also be held criminally responsible. The answer is, uh, according to this jury, absolutely yes. Found her guilty on... Um, uh, four counts of involuntary manslaughter. She is now facing up to 15 years in prison per count and remains held on bond. Of course, her son pled guilty as an adult to murder, terrorism, and other crimes and was sentenced to life in prison back in December without parole. But now his mama uh, is facing up to 15 years in prison per count. So um, that question uh, has been answered, and America will be wrestling with that, I'm sure, as we continue to talk about guns in America, we'll be wrestling with that part of the question, uh, whether or not parents ought to be uh, held responsible, criminally responsible, uh, when their kids uh, engage in these mass shootings, which is happening far too often in our society. Uh, but that's a strong, strong indictment, uh, strong conviction from this jury in Pontiac, Michigan. And I'm sure everybody's talking about it now and will be for the days to come because it, it, it colors... Um, dramatically different the dialogue we've been having about guns in this country but anyway there's the breaking news she has in fact been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter on four counts in pontiac michigan our guest once again this hour is jeff stetson i look forward to commencing our conversation when we come forward about his new nat geo series it's called genius mlkx most of you know 
you heard me say it a thousand times, uh, having written a book about Dr. King myself, that I regard Dr. King as the greatest American this country has ever produced. That's my own assessment. But Malcolm X is a bad man. He's a bad man. And uh, uh, Jeff Stetson uh, wrote this brilliant play uh, and produced it back in 1987 called The Meeting, uh, this fictional encounter between the brothers Martin and Malcolm, uh, meeting back in 1965. And we'll talk about that looking back on his work uh, and talk about this new Nat Geo series looking forward when we come forward with Jeff Stetson on Tavis Smiley. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Rank number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Good morning. I had a, another sermon I intended to preach to you today. One that encompassed all that I have learned in my many, many years of education and preaching at my father's hip. But I feel that that sermon no longer speaks to the emotion I now have. I instead would like to use it as a topic from which to preach a very common subject. One wondered by many a people on many a land across every continent and every country and every state and every city on this God's planet. A subject that, despite this being my first time at your pulpit, I have no doubt that we share a unique commonality. The subject of who we are. And who we are is God's glory personified. When I look out at you, I see we are mothers and fathers. We are sisters and brothers. Men and women. But if we let others tell it, we are slaves. We are second class. We are agitators banging at the door of segregation, asking to be let into the house of equality. Well, in this moment, I say we stop asking and we start demanding. All right. In this moment, we say equality is not a dirty word whispered in the valley of despair, but screamed from the peaks of prosperity. In this moment, we soar among the winds of change. In this moment, we will demand change no matter what we face because we have righteousness on our side, because we have love on our side, and because we have God on our side. Sounds from the new Nat Geo series called Genius MLKX. It dropped last week. Uh, It is inspired by the 1987 play The Meeting, written by our guest in this hour, Jeff Stetson, who is also one of the exec producers on this new Nat Geo series, again called Genius MLKX. Um, Jeff, um, before I talk about the series, I want to go back to The Meeting. Um, That thing was was classic, man. Um, I remember it well. Uh, and it had a huge impact uh, on the discourse about the relationship or lack thereof between Martin and Malcolm. Take me back to 87 and uh, your uh, bringing to the fore this stage play called The Meeting. Well, it's been an amazing journey. I mean, it's been <clears throat> produced <clears throat> excuse me, in all 50 states and more than a dozen countries. 
And so when I talk to people in places as diverse as Jordan and Ethiopia, uh, Brazil, uh, Africa, uh, it's just amazing how people all over the world have an appreciation for Dr. King and Malcolm X. Sometimes they know more about them than the people in this own uh, country. Mm. But I, I wrote the play because I was very much concerned that young people in particular, who were not even alive during the civil rights period, uh, knew very little about both men except for the most superficial. And in particular, I was concerned that um, in this country, particularly for black leadership, uh, we are often in a position where in order to embrace one leader, we had to reject another. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ensure that folks understood how important both of these men were to the movement for freedom, justice, and civil rights, as well as human rights. Um, so it, ha- it it was just an extraordinary experience. Uh, I had no idea that uh, it would have the impact that it's had. Initially, it was interesting. I was uh, dean of faculty and staff of the Cal State System, and I often would go to campuses to speak on a variety of topics. And one day I was asked uh, by uh, the department chair if I would come in and teach a course. And I said, if I was going to teach a course, I wanted to have one where I would have a diverse group of people from various academic disciplines. And I would want to deal with it on the civil rights movement through the eyes of Malcolm X and Dr. King. And as I thought about putting the course together, I decided it might be interesting to write a little play or sketch about both men. We would play it first. And in order to kind of uh, get people interested and inspired about who these two men were, and then they would go about doing research and determining what strategies worked, what didn't, and would we repeat those kinds of strategies um, now. As it turned out, I uh, my schedule was just too busy. I couldn't teach it, but I was in a playwrights group at the Los Angeles Actors Theater, and they had a festival for Louis B. Mayer One Acts, and um, my play was one of about 10 or 12 that they were going to produce over the summer for a four- to six-week period. And the plays were uh, rotated so that my play might work on, be produced on Tuesday, and then the next week would be Thursday, and mm-hmm. on and on. And what happened was my play was the only one that had sold-out performances, and every performance of the meeting was sold out. At the time... Um, Atlanta Child Murders was being filmed. Now, mm-hmm. this is my first produced play, and so I'm obviously kind of nervous, and in walks Morgan Freeman. <laughs> so so he, he sees the play twice. Mm-hmm. And the first performance, uh, there was this woman dressed in African wardrobe who was talking throughout the play. I mean, she was doing it quietly, but it was just aggravating me, and I was considering just having it thrown out. Mm-hmm. And then when the play was over, she was sitting by my director, and the director motioned for me to come over, and I was going to walk over and really talk to her. And as she turned around, my director said, I want you to meet. And I said, Ruby D." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked at length <laughs> because she obviously had a great experience with both Malcolm and Martin. So oh, yeah. it was just an extraordinary way to introduce a play and uh you know, I'm very appreciative for the impact it's had. Yeah, you can't you can't cuss out Ruby D, man. You can't. <laughs> you yeah, can't. right. 
all. You can't cuss out. You can't cuss out Ruby D. Uh, let me. <laughs> let me. Uh, I, I'm. I, I've said this a thousand times on this program. I'm always fascinated. Um, I ask questions, of course, not knowing what the answers are going to be. Uh, I never know where the story is going to take us. But I'm always uh, thrilled when I learn the backstory to something. I've known Jeff Stetson for for a while. Uh, I've seen his work, of course. Uh, and to hear the backstory of the meeting that I never heard, how that thing came to be, is 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 pretty amazing. Uh, and so I, I'm, I want to start by saying thank you for just sharing that backstory um, with us because I, I didn't know that story about how how the how the how the how the uh, the, the writing of this uh, this play, this brilliant stage play, sort of uh, sort of came to be. Um, let me go back before I go forward. Um, you, you mentioned that it's been now performed the the the, the stage play, the meeting. This fictional encounter between Martin and Malcolm has been uh, staged now in every state in this country and um, uh, and and countries around the globe. Let me separate them first. You know, Martin and Malcolm individually. What is it that you've learned over the years, uh, uh, Jeff Stetson, of this play being seen around the world? That the world community, the broader community, the world house, uh, to use King's phrase, what is it you've learned about how and why they relate to Martin? Outside of these, outside of our country, and what have you learned about how and why they relate to Malcolm outside of this country? Well, depending upon what country he was speaking of, right. it, it flips because in South Africa it was very uh, interesting in terms of how the struggle in in Africa as a whole, but South Africa in particular, uh, they identified so much with both leaders, but. They started to, um, I think, Malcolm resonated with them more uh, in the final days because uh, the reconciliation uh, project that they did really upset a lot of the South Africans. They felt that, uh, you know, we had this forgiveness thing going on, turn the other cheek, and yet uh, they knew that the people coming before the panel often lied about what they had done. Um, so when I was there for the second uh, production of the meeting, because the first production took place about 30 years ago, and, and the extraordinary, iconic uh, activist, John Connie, directed it. Mm-hmm. And they did it uh, about uh, in 2017 and invited me out. And I spent a week with John, um, and he told me about how the first production w- was received about 30 years ago the police would actually be standing around the audience when the play was going on. And after the play, there's usually this question and answer period. And the police were actually taking down uh, the names of people who were speaking if they spoke in such a way that they considered that, uh, you know, going against the struggle there in in, uh, South Africa. Yeah, a threat to the state, yeah. Yeah, so it was... uh, you know, you just look at a play could have that kind of impact where in an oppressive environment, the police are looking at how audiences react and who they favor and so on. Mm. They also compared the play to Mandela and some of the leadership uh, that was a little bit more uh, ready to you know, fight in a way that uh, Malcolm said, by any means necessary. Sure. And so folks there had to kind of consider, well, who is the person we would follow if we were going to select one. And my guess is that the younger folks in particular who were very angry at what was going on, very bitter at the kind of violence that was taking place, 
Malcolm resonated more. Mm-hmm. The Desmond Tutus and the um, Mandelas and the, the people that followed them would probably be more in line with uh, Dr. King. Mm-hmm. But the reality is both men were embraced, both men were understood, and the struggle that was happening there was comparable to, in some ways to the struggle happening in, in the United States. In fact, <clears throat> the day that I was leaving, John uh, Condi, uh, took me for a private tour of the uh, the uh, uh, the museum that they have there on uh, apartheid that he was instrumental in making, and I spent about two hours there walking around, seeing all the exhibits. Mm-hmm. And Tavis, if I hadn't known better, I thought I, I would I was watching the uh, exhibits on the civil rights movement here mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so comparable: the dogs sicking these young kids, the brutality of the police. Uh, the hanging and the lynchings that were going on. Uh, It was just overpowering in terms of uh, how um, both of our countries have gone through the same process and are continuing to go through it. Yeah. Um, That's fascinating um, to hear you describe how those of one generation, uh, 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 Mandela and Madiba and Desmond Tutu and Oliver Tambo and that generation, uh, might relate to King better, but the younger folk who had their own uh, visceral uh, reactions to what they were doing uh, would relate to Malcolm. But to your point, both are embraced, uh, and that's um, that's a beautiful thing. I, when, when, when you when you sat to write the play, the meeting, and I'm going to talk about on, on the back half of our conversation. I'm glad I got you for the full hour. On the back half, we'll talk about the new Nat Geo series, uh, Genius MLK. X, but I want to just lay the foundation here for how that series comes to be. It is inspired by this play called The Meeting. Again, this fictional fictional encounter between uh, Martin and Malcolm back in 1965. What 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 did what did you want to I'm trying to find the right word here, Jeff? What did you want to interrogate um, in this fictional meeting between these two brothers? Well, again, it starts with. Um... <clears throat> realizing that for many young people in particular, they knew very little about them. And <clears throat> the ones that did understand them more on a superficial level at least identify with one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so when I thought about how would I approach this, <clears throat> I understood that if I wrote a play about uh, Dr. King, I'm not sure that the people who follow Malcolm would have gone. Mm-hmm. And if I wrote a play about Malcolm X, I don't think the people who were more into Dr. Lee, uh, King's army would be interested in going to see Malcolm X. So having thought about that, I said, well, let's bring them both together. Mm. And now that I'm bringing both of them together, what is it that I want to generate in terms of what these strangers who come to a theater will begin to take away from an hour and 20 minute play? Mm -hmm. I said this uh, a couple of times with regard to speaking to the additional writers um, who were involved in the series. One of the things that um, always had an impact on me, particularly the the Sunday matinees, because, you know, the Sunday matinees, the uh, sisters from the church come in, (laughs) all dressed up, wearing them hats, Sunday best. Mm -hmm. And they have a particular attitude about Dr. King, Mm -hmm. where they want to make sure I don't mess around with that. Exactly. And then the young people will come in, or different kinds of folks, and, uh, you know, they may identify more with Malcolm, and they want to make sure that I treat Malcolm with respect because they're not necessarily in Dr. King's camp. And as you probably recall, 
the first 20 minutes after Dr. King arrives is pretty brutal in terms of Malcolm X questioning the nonviolent um, commitment that he has. He believes that nonviolence is going to get us all killed. Mm -hmm. Malcolm also understands that he's not going to be living very much longer, so it's important to do all that he can to indicate to Dr. King why he has to at least embrace some of the stuff that, that Malcolm believes in. So after an intense 20 minutes, they're sitting at a table facing each other, and they both point at each other in terms of making their um, uh, recommendations about the future, and their hands accidentally touch. And they immediately go into an arm wrestle. And Malcolm wins the arm wrestle. And in the audience, you can just sense all these church ladies are not happy, <laughs> and all of Malcolm's people are thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> the play continues... And Dr. King has had just about enough, and he says uh, it's time for a rematch, which Malcolm finds amused because he's prepared to inflict suffering if Dr. King is prepared to endure it. And this time, Dr. King wins, and the audience completely flips again. Malcolm's people are not happy. Dr. King's happy. Uh, Dr. King's folks are thrilled. At the end of the play, there's a resolution. Hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. At the end of the play... There is a resolution. <laughs> we will hear that resolution at the end of the play when we come forward uh, with our guest in Cyrus. His name is Jeff Stetson. Uh, he's one of the exec producers of a new series that just dropped last week on that Geo called Genius MLKX. It is inspired by his play, The Meeting. Uh, it came out in 1987 on stage, that is. Uh, uh, it, it imagines a fictional encounter between Martin and Malcolm back in 1965. So we'll get to that resolution of the play and talk about the series when we come forward with Jeff Detson on Tavis Smiley. Seeking the truth, speaking the truth. This, this is the Tavis Smiley Show. Sounds different, huh? This is Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Uh, there's something I need to tell you. Mm-hmm. I got offered a, a head pastor position. Oh, where? At Dexter in Montgomery. I thought it was just a guest sermon. Well, I thought so too, but it turned out it wasn't. Corey, I know this wasn't part of our plan. I know this may sound abrupt, but... I think I want to do this. Listen, I know how hard you've worked on your music career and how far you've come. I know there'll be other pastor opportunities for me, but if things aren't right for Negroes in the South, they aren't going to be right anywhere in this country. We both have been afforded opportunities to go up north and experience what America could be for Negroes. We need to to pay that forward and take these educations we've gotten and make where we come from better. And it starts I with agree. us, Corey. We should go to Montgomery. The shadow of Jim Crow evil looms over everything. It's not going to change itself. Someone has to change it. I think I can be that someone. But I need you by my side when I do it. Something remarkable. Is unfolded in the South. I can feel it. 
And it's best we be on hand to witness it. We will do more than witness it. We will lead it. And God will show us the way. More sounds from the Nat Geo series called Genius MLKX. Uh, inspired by the 1987 play called The Meeting, written by our guest in this hour, Jeff Stetson, who's also one of the exec producers of this powerful new Nat Geo series, Genius MLKX, which uh, just dropped uh, last week. All right, Jeff Stetson, you were you were you were you were you were teeing up uh, with the following at the end of the play. We talked about the uh, the arm wrestling match that Malcolm first wins in the play, The Meeting, and then Dr. King wants a rematch in this fictional accounting of them meeting in 1965, which is the subject of the play, The Meeting. Uh, King wants a rematch of this uh, uh, of this arm wrestling tete-a-tete, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, he wins the rematch. Uh, but then you said at the end of the play, there is a resolution. Pick it up from there, brother. There's a resolution um, that clearly indicates to both men that it doesn't really matter which strategy they use or to argue about the strategies. What's really important is their love for family and their love for their people. Mm-hmm. And having come to that resolution, Dr. King says, well, since we haven't been able to agree, we might as well declare a winner. And so they go at it one more time in arm wrestling. And the audience is completely engaged because it looks like Malcolm's going to win, then it looks like Dr. King is going to win, and they really go at it. And and, and in the end, it's clear that they can't complete it, and they finally call a truce. When that happens, the audience that's had their separate favors throughout the uh, play, it's clear that they, if possible, they don't want either man to lose. And at the same time, they would like to find a way for both men to win. Mm. And while both men are rubbing their hands because they had a very strenuous, fierce competition, Dr. King turns to Malcolm and says, just imagine what we could have accomplished if we had joined hands and pushed in the same direction. Mm. And that's always elicited a response from the audience because we understand um, just how important it would have been in shaping the struggle if both sides had come together in a way that the public understood. And that's really kind of the essence that I had hoped for for the series, that mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to cover in eight hours um, the most important uh, issues of the day that re- that these two iconic leaders struggled against. But we hope to, at least at the end of the series, have the audience walk away with the feeling of how important both of these men were to the, that they were both on the same continuum to freedom and justice yeah. and that the struggle needs to continue and part of that is thinking conceptually well how would we go forward if we took both of these men's philosophies and and merged them together in such a way where we really have the kind of power we need to make the, the changes that are necessary. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, Jeff Teston. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot because I know you can handle it. Um, if you were asked, as you were about to be asked, <laughs> what your critique of Martin would be, I don't care what it is, give, just give me any critique you have of Martin and give me any critique you have of Malcolm. My critique would be defined by their speeches um, and the impact 
I'm not even talking about what they said. It's just how they said it. Mm -hmm. If you were listening to a speech by Dr. King, you would be prepared spiritually to go go to heaven. I mean, it's almost that kind of... After he's through, you're just ready to give it up and, and you know, meet your Savior. Mm-hmm. With Malcolm, you're ready to go to war. You know, you're ready to fight. I mean, both both men certainly did that. You, you, you know, you, you can't bring together thousands of people in a, a march where most of the individuals were fearful of what the repercussions would be, and all of a sudden they're now courageous. You know, I talk about the marvelous militancy of Malcolm because... It instilled a certain kind of pride in the people that needed to understand their own strength and their own uh, capability of having self-determination. Mm-hmm. You then had the magnificent marches of Martin that brought together a group of individuals and made them a people that were prepared to confront um, the most powerful institutions that were doing all that they can to dehumanize those individuals. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I really want people to think about is how extraordinary, if you searched world history, it would be very rare to find two men such as these who lived at the same time in the same country and fought the same struggle for human rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just, you're not going to find it. Mm -hmm. So how proud should we be that both of these men were here not for long, only 39 years, did so much to define the future in terms of what is possible. I, 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 it always bothers me when, when particularly young people, because I, you know, I spent 20 years as an educator in the university system. Mm-hmm that these young people don't really appreciate how magnificent um, these men were and the impact on our lives even today. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, look at the marches mm-hmm. of, of uh, Dr. King. Look at the militancy that brought great pride to the people of Malcolm X. And merge those two together, and we have all we need to confront uh, the injustices that occurs in this society. Yeah. So when we come forward, I want to I want to take your temperature on this. Um, I ask what uh, your critique would be. I am now fascinated to hear uh, how you'd respond to the following. So if I said to you that my critique of Martin and Malcolm is that both had a particular naivete, brilliant both men were. But if I were going to critique them, um, both had, I think, a particular naivete. Uh, Martin's naivete was about his confidence, his faith in the American democratic institution until he felt differently near the end of his life. But I think there's a particular naivete uh, that Martin has as he's leading this movement uh, about the ability of the American democratic experiments, the American empire to correct itself. I think he's a bit naive about that in some ways. And my critique of Malcolm would be that he had a particular naivete as well, that um, his militancy uh, could have or would have, in fact, saved the day for black people. 
I don't think that militancy would have worked in South Africa that you referenced earlier, and I'm not sure that militancy would have worked in this country. Um, that's my critique of both. I think they both had a particular naivete in those two ways. I could be wrong about it. Let's see what Jeff Stetson, he's the guy that wrote the play, The Meeting. He's the executive producer of the new Nat Geo series, Genius MLKX. That's just my view. Let's see what Jeff Stetson has to say about it when we come forward on Tavis Mind. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. More of Jeff Stetson coming your way right now. Jeff Stetson is the, uh, uh, the brilliant mind behind the play, The Meeting, which uh, uh, imagines a fictional encounter between Martin and Malcolm back in 65 and one of the exec producers of the new Nat Geo series, which dropped just last week called Genius MLKX. That said, Jeff Stetson, all right, you can push back on me any way you want to about my, uh, about my assessment. Well, I respect the critique. I don't agree with it for uh, Dr. King. Okay. Because you, w- you would then have to assume that he actually believed that the country would change in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. He didn't believe that. Mm-hmm. But he believed that he was laying the foundation for the nonviolent movement in a country that would certainly fight it um, to its death, but eventually um, it would make a difference, that, that people would accept that uh, that nonviolence is the only way to have lasting peace and change. Malcolm, Malcolm's militancy, I think, is necessary um, you know, after Dr. King was assassinated, as you clearly know, this country went up in flames because black people had enough. Mm-hmm. Now, we burned our own communities down in large part, but that response created all kinds of programs that were attempting to respond to the needs of black people, at least from an educational standpoint, from an employment standpoint, and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to suggest that militancy or even violence, unfortunately, doesn't have a certain kind of uh, impact that you hope will create certain kinds of positive change. The reality, and let me say it this way, this is the country that loves John Wayne, not because he's, he's a, you know, a brilliant actor, but he epitomizes what this country is about. You know, you will protect your family by any means necessary. You will do what you need to do in order to protect your country, on and on and on. Um, that doesn't take place for black folks. You know, black heroes are not allowed, really, to fight to protect their family in the same way that it's okay and legitimate for the John Waynes in, in the society to do so. You know, the first time I was on your show, it was to, to promote a, uh, my novel called Blood and the Leaves. That mm-hmm. book really tried to deal with questions of nonviolence versus, you know, some kind of response that, uh, that's important to, to have. And I talk about um, how frightening it is to this country to have a black John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, unfortunately, people still have to respond in a way, you know, you look at every movie where there's a hero. You know, Mel Gibson dies at the end shouting freedom. Um, 
you know, it's okay, it's okay to fight for the right to prove yourself as a man in this country. And that's been the kind of uh, reality we've been dealing with as a people. It's just, uh, you know, here's the thing that, that has always bothered me with a nonviolent movement, as much as I appreciate the courage that it took mm-hmm. to do so. Young kids, five, six, seven years old, see their fathers and mothers spat upon and mistreated. And they don't fight back. This is a country where you're supposed to fight back. So when your son or daughter sees their parents being brutalized for a movement, they're too young to understand what's happening. All they understand is their parents can't protect themselves, which means they can't protect me. Mm. And that establishes a certain kind of trauma for young people. And it's been true that when you look at some of the kids that grew up in the Civil Rights Movement, they got spat upon in the restaurants and beaten, and their their loved ones were assassinated and murdered, they're still love, uh, uh, living through that trauma. No, so that... How, do we, how do we change it? I don't know. But from my standpoint, I couldn't uh, tolerate, um, and, I, and, I'm, and I still have great respect for the people who sat at the of food counters and gotten beaten, but that's not me. That ain't you, and no. if my if my son was in jeopardy, you best believe I would fight by any means necessary. I got to retort to that when we come forward in our main moments with Jeff Stetson on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. I got a little less than three minutes left here. Just three minutes left with Jeff Stetson. I've enjoyed this immensely, by the way, Jeff. Um, my, my only retort is simply this. I believe, and I believe it because I, I, I do it every day myself, I believe that King is the greatest American this country's ever produced. That's my assessment. But I also believe, to your point, that one can be, how might I put this, one can be empathic, one can be even supportive of MLK's vision, his work, and his witness without being a pacifist. You can do that. I think that's absolutely true, but <clears throat> I leave you with this. When the only people who believe in nonviolence are the people getting beaten, you probably need to rethink the strategy. <laughs> Lastly, uh, let me let me thank you for all you do. And if your listeners don't remember this, one of the most important and brilliant books written about Dr. King is written by a guy named Tavis Smiley called Death of a King. So I would uh, recommend that you read that book. It, it, it just deals with the last year of his life, and it does so in such a way where every every page shows you his brilliance and courage. Um, um, any, any compliment I get means something to me, but when it comes from Jeff Stetson, um, because all opinions are not created equal. <laughs> I will tell you that. Uh, all opinions are not created equal, but uh, when Jeff Stetson says that, uh, it, it means something. You get chill bumps off of that. His name is Jeff Stetson. He is brilliant in his own right. Uh, that play, The Meeting, uh, that came to the fore in 1987, uh, really changed the conversation in this country about Martin and Malcolm. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see it, whenever it's staged anywhere near you, please go see this play, uh, this stage play called The Meeting. Uh, and it is that play that inspires this new Nat Geo series that just commenced last week. It's called Genius MLKX, and our friend and brother Jeff Stetson is one of the exec producers of that powerful series that I, I can assure you 
you will enjoy when you get a chance to see uh, all eight hours of it. Jeff Stetson, uh, as always, sir, an honor to be in dialogue with you. Thank you for your work and your witness ongoing, and I wish you nothing uh, but the best in the, the days, weeks, and months to come, my friend. I appreciate you, my brother. Good to have you on. That is our program for today. Three hours gone just like that. Back here tomorrow, Lord willing, to do it all over again. Until then, thanks for tuning in to Tavis Smiley. And as always, keep the faith.